there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. So I have a confession to make, and actually I'm sure that you have this as well. There are certain topics that I'm just not as excited about. I really like the intricate diagnostic puzzles, and atopic dermatitis is not necessarily one of them. Hold that thought though, because eczema, dermatology is hard, but eczema may or may not be easier to diagnose than some other ones, but the real magic comes in the treatment because I think that as a community, as a uh, profession, we don't necessarily serve our eczema patients to the highest level that we could. And I did some CEUs recently and I really wanted to share all these beautiful pearls that I got in my own care, especially, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I frequently get little kiddos, this applies to adults too, by the way, but little kiddos that are coming in, the parents are just exhausted and near tears, the kids are crying, the whole visit they're covered in eczema like you have a huge role to help those kinds of people and this happens all the time in my family practice clinic so uh, if you're new here I'm Liz Rohr from Real World NP and you're watching NP Practice Made Simple the weekly videos to help save you time frustration and help you learn faster so you can take the best care of your patients so in this video I'm going to be breaking it down with some really helpful paradigms and insights and clinical pearls to really practically apply to your care of these patients knowing when to refer them to dermatology the care that they should be doing at home and um, quest answering questions like what creams to use and what allergies should be testing for, like all that stuff. So stick around. I'm going to share my screen with you. So eczema has a huge impact on the quality of life. I just want to start with this because I think it really helps you if you haven't experienced those, um, you know, that screaming baby or the adult that comes in asking you again for um, the injectable steroids uh, that their dermatologist gives them uh, when they have eczema flares. Like I just want to paint this picture for you of, of how uh, distressing this is as a diagnosis, as a condition rather. So most patients have daily itching and it sounds like a minor symptom, right? But it, it can drive people absolutely crazy. It also impairs their sleep. And I think that's especially important, important for kiddos, um, for babies that are up crying all night and the parents are exhausted or the kids that aren't performing well in school because they're not sleeping well. Um, also, school-age kids can have things like lack of self-esteem, bullying, impaired school performance due to lack of um, sleep or, or related to the other um, issues that are coming up for them. It's exhausting, and a lot of parents feel really inadequate because they feel like they can't get a con they can't get a handle on it, they can't get control over it, um, and it's just it's a lot of a lot of maintenance, and you're going to see that in a second. Um, a lot of patients come in and they'll say we've tried everything, um, and I've definitely encouraged uh, experienced that myself. So something you want to think about. Um, a lot of times it's like primary care clinicians are throwing spaghetti against the wall. And I feel like that's kind of what I was doing as well, even though I kind of understood how to treat um, eczema. But 
hold on and we'll, we'll go through it. Um, the main point with that is that we need to try things in the right combination. And that's like my main takeaway of what I've learned. And I think that that gives patients a lot of hope and hopefully it will give you a lot of hope too, um, putting this all together. Um, and before I go any further, there's a cheat sheet down below this video if you want to download that to follow along with this presentation and also to keep at your desk for quick reference. So eczema, um, it's really important to think about it as a lifelong roller coaster. I've always said to my patients, this is a chronic illness. It's not going to go away. But I think when you paint the picture of like it is a roller coaster for everybody, there's guaranteed ups and downs. And it's, it's you, you, they, tr people are, try their best to maintain it, but in some ways it's out of our hands, you know, that when things have flares. And so I think if you, you set the expectation of like, it's going to be like this, that can be a little bit easier as well. And then I think a, a helpful reframe that I've kind of learned for myself is that it's similar to asthma in that there's flared uh, rescue treatment as well as the maintenance care. And the maintenance care is so key. And I think that it's also the most exhausting part. So you'll see that in a second. Um, also, the main thing about when it comes to asthma or to eczema rather is about breaking that itch scratch cycle when it comes to flares, which we'll t I'll talk about in a second. So just stick with me. Um, and then treatment for eczema works best when it's used consistently and all at the same time. Um, but it can, again, be hard and it can be exhausting. So the goals of care. So number one is all about maintaining and repairing the skin barrier. And so the main thing is moisturizing with emollients, but we'll talk about the other skin care. And that is like the underlying ultimate key because when you protect that skin barrier, then it tends to, there's just like a lot of research that supports that it can have so many positive effects and reduces the um, risks of further flares and other complications and on a very, very small level too. Um, number two is again, controlling the itch because when you have patients that are itching, it's going to make it worse and it's just going to get into this nasty cycle. Um, helping with sleep, that's got to be a really important uh, component to your treatment. Uh, treating and preventing infection, which I'll talk about just kind of being mindful of, of when it's infection and when it's not. Um, and then treating flares and inflammation um, on a kind of a preventative basis. So stick with me and we'll talk about all of these things. So maintenance care. So this is going to look like a lot, um, but it's not that bad. It really comes down to skincare and avoiding triggers. So skincare is daily use of emollients. So hold that thought. We'll talk about that. But basically, it just means creams that are thick enough that you can't use a pump. Um, because if you're using a pump, those are more like lotions and they're not typically enough to um, be considered an emollient. It's important that they're hypoallergenic uh, fragrance and dye-free. Um, and daily bathing, there's been some um, confusion and controversy whether or not patients should kind of go every other day with their bathing versus daily bathing. And I think the general recommendation in now is that, um, you know, and it depends, you have to work with your family, right? So if they're insistent of like, you know what, this is what works for me, like, that's fine. You know, like this is a, there's a couple of moving parts here, right? So, um, but yeah, it's generally recommended that they do daily bathing. Uh, 10 minutes of lukewarm water, but the most important thing is that you're patting them dry and quickly applying emollient like right afterwards. Um, bleach baths are another component of skin care maintenance, and we'll talk about that in just one second. Wet wraps, which another is another like terrifying like 
thought or, or phrase and but hold on for a second and we'll talk about that um, hopefully I can empower you to recommend this to your families and make a big impact in their lives um, and again avoiding allergens and triggers and so um, the main kind of triggers that we can be have be controlling of is things like low humidity uh, sweat friction and saliva that's a little bit harder with the babies because they just they drool and drool but just knowing that that's an irritant and then potential topical allergens and so I think myself personally I get a little overwhelmed with this sometimes because the dermatologist that I was learning from kind of like spewed off this like really long chemical name that she was familiar with that was within a certain number of lotions and creams and all this stuff. And I don't know, I don't think that that's the expectation that we um, know all those things in primary care. I definitely covet that level of knowledge, but I think it's just important to think about like, what are they um, noticing that seems to uh, get worse? Or are there certain soaps or dyes or things like that? Um, so that's maintenance care. That's kind of a lot, but basically it comes down to daily bathing, emollients, and then some other extra add-ons like those bleach baths and uh, wet wraps, which I'll talk about in a second. And then flare treatment is typically when you're going to see them in primary care, but you need to encourage the, the maintenance treatment. So it's the same skincare, but you want to put out the fire um, and you want to add things like um, topical steroids, which I have another slide on that. So just hold that thought. You want to stop the itch and scratch cycle. So the steroids are going to help with that, but you're also going to consider adding an antihistamine. And so the dosing for that, um, high, uh, I feel a little hesitant with this myself because I don't like giving antihistamines to little kids. Um, but hydroxazine, like if they're up all night itching and scratching, like that's going to help them break that cycle, right? And so the, the dosing that was recommended was um, hydroxazine, half, uh, a half a milligram per kilogram during the day, and then one milligram per kilogram uh, dosing at night as needed. And um, again, wet wraps, which I'll talk about in a second. And then in terms of asking the kiddos not to scratch, like that doesn't work. So you have to think about all these other things and cool and cold packs can definitely help with itching as well as distraction. Um, so yeah, so that's the main flare treatment. And I think the suggestion that was really helpful um, that the dermatologist was talking about that I learned from um, was saying that she does like a flare treatment visit to put out the fire and then she has them come back in about two to three weeks to assess how they're doing um, and uh, to talk further about that kind of maintenance treatment um, and making sure that that's kind of all working for them. So I want to talk about emollients for a second. People have a lot of questions about that. So again, it's something that's really thick, hypoallergenic, fragrance and dye free. Um, white petroleum, basically no one has any um, allergies to. And so that's um, also known as Vaseline is one of the brand names. I'm trying not to be partial to any brands here. Um, just an FYI, people really love Aquaphor and it's a really awesome um, type of treatment but it has white petroleum and it also has lanolin in it. And so if somebody is using that and they're having reactions or it's not working or the eczema's getting worse, some people can have a reaction to lanolin. Um, Eucerins and CeraVe and Vanny Cream, these can all be good options too, but you wanna look at ingredients because there's different lines for different uh, types. Eucerin, I feel like tends to be the more bland one. CeraVe just has so many different types of lines within that brand. And so it's important to kind of think about that. I didn't get any clear suggestions because it was a CEU and so it wasn't really recommended to do any brand names. And so I was kind of reading between the lines there. Vanny Cream, I've been familiar with. Again, this is really um, not cheap stuff, um, so something to think about um, with your patients, but white petroleum is pretty, pretty cheap. Um, 
Um, and then things to avoid, calendula is a really important, uh, popular ingredient right now, but this can be really um, allergenic for some people. So somebody consider avoiding. Also, it can come in things that have a fragrance in them. Um, olive oil uh, apparently can increase staph and so is not recommended. Um, coconut oil, again, is another kind of like trendy thing, but maybe just as the preference of your patient. Um, uh, but that's okay to use coconut oil, but you want to use the quote beauty kind and not necessarily like the cooking kind. Apparently there's, there are differences. Um, and uh, if patients want to be using an oil, like olive oil, it, the recommendation that I got from the dermatologist was sunflower extract oil, but I cannot imagine how expensive that must be, especially if you're using large bottles of it all over your child. So something to think about there. So bleach bath. So someone told me about this. And I was familiar with it, but I just felt like I didn't have good guidance on it. And so I didn't feel like I could recommend it to patients. But basically what this is, is a, a, a bath um, one to two times per week. There's some variable evidence. There's evidence that it's helpful. There's evidence that it's um, not necessarily more effective than regular bathing. Um, nothing has come back uh, harmful as far as I understand, but it's actually recommended by the IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America, for recurrent MRSA infections. Um, I, didn't, I couldn't find anything that recommended, recommended it specifically for eczema, but the thought is that it's anti-inflammatory and it can kill the germs, which is like one of the pillars of, of eczema treatment, right? Um, and so if you're going to fill a tub, and again, they're different tub sizes, right? But approximately, it's a half tub full of water with a quarter cup of bleach. Um, or if it's a baby bath, it's just one teaspoon, a very, very tiny amount. And the way that the dermatologist referred to it as, which I loved, was a swimming pool bath, which I totally will use uh, in my clinical practice. Um, and I feel conflicted about this, but I think, because it just, it's odd to me to use bleach, but I think that seeing the number of patients that I've seen come in with really severe eczema, just really suffering. I think I am, I am going to add this to my kind of repertoire. Wet wraps is another thing, which I just felt like, really, does that actually work? But apparently it does. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but basically what it involves is just the, the cheapest version is to wrap, um, uh, to dress your child at, or dress the patient, uh, in damp cotton pajamas that have been, um, like, put in water, like wrung out, are just damp now, and then they just go to bed wearing that, right? Which sounds super strange, but apparently is really effective. And then another suggestion, this is actually a mom, mom's group hack, is that um, cotton pajamas, uh, depending on the season, right? But you could cover them with a pair of fleece pajamas so it didn't get like the bed all wet, or you could cover it with like a sweatshirt or something like that. Um, but that's the, that's the moral of the story with wet wraps. There are a ton of like fancy types of things that people can buy, like I don't know. I don't even know the brand names, but, um, but yeah, I don't think you have to get fancy about it. I think you can just kind of wrap it up. Um, so topical steroids, I feel like is, is a, such a huge, uh, the main question, right? Um, and so topical steroids, you can use these up to about 15 days per month. There are different formulations. There's creams, oils, ointments, and oils and ointments tend to be the preference. But again, I always defer back to cost um, because just from the patient population that I work with, but also like who doesn't, who wants to spend like a ton of money on this, right? I don't know. It just, it seems like it will add up. So oils, apparently there is like a fluosinonide oil. Um, anyway, I haven't ordered that myself yet, but I'm going to, um, ointments. And then, um, also you can wrap those up. And so with eczema, you can get those like lichenified plaques where they're really, really thickened from all the repeated excoriation and it can be hard to penetrate that. And so, um, a suggestion is that you can put the topical steroid on and then just wrap their arm or wherever the, the wherever it is um, with like some sort of um, plastic wrap for like 15 minutes or something like that just to help it penetrate a little bit better. 
The thought behind the 15 days is that if it's more than that, they might need a different maintenance plan than what you kind of have in front of you. Um, so they might need a dermatology referral if you're getting a little bit fancy here, or they're getting a little bit more complicated and more on the moderate to severe side versus a mild eczema. And then another thing to think about is like, do we have the right diagnosis here? Um, do they have a bacterial infection on top of it? And so signs of that would be things like increased redness, drainage. Um, you, you could consider mupiracin, which is a topical um, antibiotic treatment for that. Um, and then another, another thing that the dermatologist sees a lot is that there's post-inflammatory hyper or hypopigmentation that people can tend to think that this is still eczema. But the kind of rule of thumb there is that it really should feel like something. Um, like it should feel, if it feels like sandpaper, then you can go ahead and apply it. But if it feels just like normal skin, that's a different color, then don't use the steroids anymore. Um, and that's really important. I think with different, there's, there's many different types of um, skin tones and different presentations that you'll see um, eczema in. And, and it really comes down to itch and then the feel as well. There's also a table of steroid potencies. Um, and so what you're, instead of giving you specific names of the different steroids to use, I'll give you the classes that are recommended. And so class one is the most potent, and which is also in the cheat sheet. Um, uh, and uh, so hands and feet can use like the most potent topical steroid. Uh, class four uh, tends to be uh, for like the rest of the, the rest of the body. Um, and I have the note here, 80 kilograms, 80 grams, because depending on the tubes that you're used to sending to the pharmacy, 15 grams is not enough to use on somebody's body. So that was the recommendation of the dermatologist to use at least 80 grams, uh, a large enough tube so that they have enough supply. And then class six, which is uh, close to the bottom, uh, seven is the least potent. Um, those are the for the flexural areas and for the face. And you can use a smaller tube um, uh, gram amount for the tube for that, so about 30 grams. So food allergies. So this is another big question of like, should I test them for food allergies? Like, do they have a food allergy? Is that what's causing it? So basically, no, but you want to consider food allergy in kids under five with moderate to severe eczema if one or more applies. So they have persistent symptoms despite optimized maintenance and flare treatment. And the reason I say no is because most of the time they're not optimized in their maintenance and flare treatment. And when you send them to dermatology, they get them to a point where it's under control. Um, so reliable history of food reaction. Um, so they need at least one of those. Um, or, uh, yeah, so uh, actually, I think those are the only two. I thought there were three, but there's only two there. Um, but yeah, if they've, if they've visibly had a food reaction, if they have other things like uh, consistent with a milk allergy or, or other kind of allergy where they have like blood in their stool or something like that, they can be evaluated for milk, eggs, peanut, wheat, and soy allergies. However, definitely send them to derm first because derm is going to make sure that they're optimized uh, in their eczema treatment because if they undergo all that testing, that's just a lot of, a lot of extra burden for the families um, to, to test for that and then to try to evaluate them and all that kind of stuff, especially like breastfeeding moms that are deciding whether or not to eliminate foods from their diet or change formulas or things like that. So definitely send them to dermatology first. So that's it for this presentation. So um, definitely uh, download the cheat sheet down below this video if you haven't already, or head over to realworldnp.com slash guide to grab the ultimate resource guide for the new NP. You'll also get these videos sent straight to your inbox every week uh, and some bonus content that I just don't share anywhere else, patient stories, insights, extra videos, things like that. So thanks so much for hanging out. Definitely let me know if you have any questions and I'll see you soon.
that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.